Thank you for listening to this special feature of ECDPM's Great Insights issue devoted to the green transition and climate adaptation in the run-up to COP26. We hope the conversation you're about to listen to gives you a better understanding of what still needs to happen for a truly green transition and effective climate adaptation. Make sure to also check out the other conversations and articles in our Great Insights magazine. Enjoy! Good morning, Mr. Fakir. Thank you very much for joining us for this conversation with ECDPM. It's really an honor having you. You're the executive director of the African Climate Foundation. And prior to that, you were the head of the Policy and Futures Unit of WWF South Africa for more than a decade. So now you're leading the African Climate Foundation. And can you explain what the African Climate Foundation is striving for? The African Climate Foundation is uh, literally one year, two months old. Uh, we set up in 1st of April 2020 in the midst of COVID, uh, largely focused on just energy transition issues. But the philosophical paradigm for the foundation's work is around the notion of a climate development nexus. We cannot solve the adaptation, climate resilient issues without uh, broader economic transformation. And that includes economic rights, political rights, socioeconomic rights of the populace of Africa. We are focused on three areas, urban transitions, land use and agriculture, and then uh, the other is on energy transitions. Our magazine Great Insights is looking at what could and should be done in the run-up to COP26. So in this context, I want to ask you, is there already an African common position on climate change ahead of COP26? Perhaps you could share insights on the ongoing discussion and what are the main priorities? I think that priorities will continue to be in the official negotiations around adaptation and uh, access to cleaner energy technologies, but there isn't an official Africa Union position as such. And the heads of state uh, on climate issues were meant to, to meet in May. They haven't really met. I think a lot of the African Union's focus at the moment has got to do with impact of COVID on the continent. Access to va vaccines is very fundamental to where their ha minds are at the moment. And second part is obviously the challenge of economic recovery post-COVID and dealing with uh, debt overhang. But I suspect that COP26 itself may not see a very strong push from the continent, but we're more likely to see that in COP27, given that Africa is hosting the next uh, meeting. And uh, I would say that even at the level of civil society, business, the level of visibility and organization around the issue is very, they're not at the levels where it should be. But perhaps the, the world is a bit too caught up, you know, the post-COVID recovery is a sense that there's a new geopolitics in the world. The G7 meeting hasn't put anything on the table to excite anybody. The 100 billion target of pledges hasn't really been, been met. And uh, I think uh, it's fair to say that the, the level of enthusiasm, even though countries might submit their the nationally determined contributions, there isn't the level of political mobilization that must be behind this. I think because largely uh, the Paris process hasn't really uh, materialized to, to the extent that people have, have expected. 
That's really a pity, but um, I can see that Africa and the rest of the world um, have other very urgent preoccupations nowadays due to the pandemic. And as you mentioned, Africa as a continent does not have a common position yet on climate change in the run-up to COP26. But um, at the same time, we see active engagement on climate by the African Union. Examples are initiatives like the Green Resilience and Recovery Action Plan. There is also the work on the climate strategy for the continent, a lot of engagement on energy. So all of this is, of course, creating interest in Europe. Now, how would you characterize African Union action in this field? What are priorities? What are opportunities? I think more momentum will come uh, post-COP26 because the African continent itself will have to put together something strong, given that the the COP meeting is going to be held uh, here in, in Africa. So I don't think there is that level of momentum that presents a coherent, cohesive consolidation of something that allows counterparties to respond to. But there are things in work. Whether they will lead to a process within the AU is still subject to review. We all know that the EU Green Deal was launched at the last COP that took place in 2019. The objectives are to make Europe carbon neutral by 2050 and to decouple economic growth from resources use. Of course, this Green Deal has important external implications as Europe cannot become green and climate neutral alone. For example, the EU plans to impose carbon pricing on a select number of imported goods. These include steel, cement, aluminium, electricity. It's the so-called carbon border adjustment mechanism or CBAM in short, but this is also causing negative reactions from African countries. Did the recently leaked proposal by the EU spark any new discussions um, in the African continent? What are your views on this? The Green Deal has been viewed with uh, with great deal of suspicion by its nearest partner, the African bloc. The Africans are, of course, concerned about uh, how Europe would want to interact with Africa around uh, uh, access to markets for its green technology, export of its uh, finance to stimulate uh, support infrastructure investments that are advantage for its firms and, and, and its economy. And the third part is Africa cannot talk about an engagement around the Green Deal without a unified position around trade. And there are concerns that the uh, different uh, EPAs being uh, pursued by the European Union at the moment is undermining the unified position uh, around the African Continental Free Trade Agreement. Africa also is of the view that um, there are key minerals that are essential for the green technology revolution, which uh, will receive significant finance and R&D investments in Europe. That relationship cannot be asymmetric. Africa should look at ways to increase beneficiation, and it has, it's arguing that it has the instrument to do so under the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, and it wants to expand not only intra-regional trade, but the opportunity for greater access to technology and um, industrial capability in the new wave of technology development, which is largely a green technology sector. So uh, nobody uh, opposes the idea of a a green deal for Africa, but uh, the terms have to be clear in terms of who's getting more advantage and who will be a loser, and would there be consequences for certain sectors that are exposed to these restrictions that will come into the EU and in which Africa's exports are are highly dependent on access to the European market. If we look at cooperation between Europe and Africa in the short run, do you see any potential for an alliance between Europe and Africa, specifically in the run-up to COP26? 
I would say that uh, the scope for bilateral sort of engagements with different European member states might uh, be more fertile because of these past colonial relationships and ongoing relationships. Whether there will be a common European-Africa position, that has to be determined by the Africa block of negotiators. It's very uncertain what that will be uh, unless there are particular objectives being pursued, like a a very concrete deal that supports Africa's uh, climate agenda. But so far, you know, there's nothing on the table that, that suggests that anything like that will happen. Do you think then that the Europe-Africa partnership, the joint Africa-Europe strategy has been effective? Are there any lessons there for future cooperation that you see? There hasn't been really, in my view, a joint uh, sitting to review what has been achieved by the two partners on on climate issues, what are the outstanding uh, gaps. That level of coherence, I don't see. Right. Uh, There's uh, currently a document on a climate strategy sitting with the AU since 2014. It hasn't even been adopted yet. I think that also tells you a story internally within the African Union. So there there is a need for coalition of non-state actors to to try to shape a, a body of work and relationships between the two continents that I think may produce a lot more interesting uh, avenues. Now, I want to talk a bit about adaptation, which is a key priority for Africa, together with building resilience on the continent. And personally, I'm very interested in the issue of adaptation. But if we look at the recent G7 meeting in June, this was quite disappointing in terms of additional climate finance uh, commitments, especially for adaptation. And we see that the adaptation finance gap will remain huge. So how to meet these adaptation needs and challenges in African countries? There is, of of course, a question around uh, whether the world will be able to meet all the adaptation needs globally. And the answer is no. And what should be the answer be? Well, the answer is actually you've got to get least developed and underdeveloped economies out of poverty. The question is that they can that be done by aid or can it be done through better uh, political economies in these countries? Can it be done by better trade deals with these countries? Can it be about uh, improving the environment for economic activity that in the long run they are not uh, very vulnerable economies? but more sustainable economies. And vulnerable economies are going to be subject to the most adverse climate effects. The two go together. Solving the the adaptation and resilience problem is part of solving the economic transformation issue. But there are, for example, on the African continent, uh, mechanisms to try to provide collective responses to adverse climate shocks. But the, the basis for expectation that more funds will flow, I don't think that will hold. But certainly the adaptation elements of the different fronts, like a green fund, et cetera, have to be uh, supported and replenished and mechanisms created to figure out what's the best way to support these. Clearly, uh, urbanization is a big issue, particularly in coastal areas, and there has to be considerable resources going into supporting coastal cities, et cetera. And then there are, of course, areas like within the Sahel that will require uh, special attention because climate security and, and instability in those regions uh, are fundamental to peace and stability and security on the continent. There are lots of resources going on. The question is whether it's uh, sufficient or not is, a, is another matter. 
when talking about adaptation, we automatically talk about adaptation in agriculture. And it is also one of the focal areas of the strategy of the African Climate Foundation, as you said in the beginning. And rain-fed agriculture is also big on the African continent, with the majority of people being dependent on rain-fed agriculture. But we also know that crop yields will decrease tremendously due to climate impacts. Now, what is your advice on the key steps that African countries that are so dependent on rain-fed agriculture should take? I think uh, agriculture as a whole, it's not just about the physical, biophysical resource, but it's fundamentally about uh, human capability on the ground, organization and relations. And crucial to success of agriculture is the entitlement to the production and land in which the farmer engages, particularly women farmers. And the second part is the ability to grow sufficient surplus to that, that can be traded in the local economy. And the third is the ability of the farmer to be able to have the right knowledge and ability to sustain the productive base, which is the soil and the biophysical resource that go into farming. So all of those things are, are fundamental. But if rainfall is crucial, we have to have a more granular a climatic uh, standing of, of what's going on and which other geographies likely to be affected the most and would require immediate support. And that, those could lead to concrete adaptation investments. That's the kind of thing that one wants to see. We arrived at my last question, and it is about green technology. There is a lot of talk about leapfrogging on the African continent, and there is a lot of interest also by Europeans and African leaders. What, in your view, is needed to make this drive for a technology-driven transition benefit African development? Is this about a green rev, a green deal, green stimulus, or is this about a broader economic, economic transformation issues? So I, I think that you can't build a green transition, green technology uptake on the continent without addressing the broader macro, microeconomic uh, conditions that can facilitate that. There has to be an economic base that allows for the technology absorption, customization and beneficiation from the technology. So in some countries, it makes sense where the energy mix is highly fossil dependent, especially if they are importing a large scale of the fossil, for example, heavy fuel oil in Kenya. You could substitute that with renewables. The rest of the continent is highly dependent on the patterns of economic development and growth, the simultaneous demand for energy in those economies, and the the demand for energy should also shape the kind of investments in electrical infrastructure. Preferably, you don't want these countries to build bulk electrical infrastructure, but more modular, decentralized technology. You can't say universally that every green technology adoption in the continent will be the same everywhere. The context of those economies will determine the degree to which uh, green technology adoption will take place. Thank you so much, Mr. Fakir, for sharing your insights. It has been very interesting. I mean, definitely learned a lot. Fantastic to have the opportunity to be able to uh, sort of uh, share our views on it. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm.